Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. In this episode, we talk about the Plex Media Server and how you can use it in your home ecosystem. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McCain. Hey everyone, Darren is back from Costa Rica. That's right. And so uh, I hear it was hot down there. <laughs> it's very hot. It's hard to describe how hot it is. It's so nice to be back and we have so much to talk about. All right. Well, what do we have? Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Plex Media Service, the Plex Pass in particular. Dennis, help me uh, a couple, well, I guess it's been several months back, put together a Asus Store 304T, which is a network attached storage, a NAS device. Right. It's actually the device that we reviewed on the Hardware Asylum website. I will have a link to that in the show notes. Exactly. And you should check this out because if you're like me, you probably did not know how far your NAS device has come. They're capable of so many different things. And the Asus Store is a great example because it's a smart NAS. It has an onboard processor, the whole nine yards. It's practically a mini computer. But what that brings to the table, Dennis, is a wide variety of apps that you can download. So having set it up as a network tech storage and back, backup device, uh, I got to thinking, okay, well, what else can I get this thing to do that will be useful? Right. Well, the AC store has their online application shop, right? You know, their app store. So you can download all sorts of different uh, ways to consume your media. You can also download torrenting applications. But unless those applications can be used outside of the NAS, they really don't get much use. Well, Dennis, I had all this media on my NAS. I put pictures on it as a nice picture backup. Mm -hmm. Well, you should. Movies that we've burned for the kids to watch when we're traveling, because my kids are big media consumers. And I'd also just started archiving the thousands of CDs that I picked up when I was playing DJ in my youth. So I had all this media out there, but not really a great way to access it unless I was on another computer where I could, you know, drag and drop or whatever. Right. So I went out to the Asus Store app store and I saw Plex. And Plex has been kind of on my radar peripherally for a while, but I just didn't know enough about it to pull the trigger. Well, don't you have a lot of devices in your house that have Plex capability? I, I do, but I didn't know it. In fact, up until the point where I started actually playing with it, I really only knew that my PlayStation supported it. Okay. So I know that I planted that seed with you a little bit, and then what, what happened? Well, at CES, I met with Creative, and it turns out that the marketing person there representing Creative also represents Plex. And she had asked if I wanted to do a review of Plex, and it doesn't really fit within the hardware sort of review, but I told her, hey, if you can hook us up with a couple of passes, we'll definitely do a podcast overview since it is media. And uh, she agreed. So let's talk a little bit about what Plex is and what it costs. But in short, Plex is really a full-featured media server. What it excels at is organizing your media and transcoding it based on what device that you have in it. So as an example, if I go into my movie directory on my NAS, which is primarily filled with ripped Disney movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not very exciting, but, you know, my kids are young. It goes out, it finds them on the web, it links to IMDB, so I get reviews, I get descriptions, I get album art, or I guess in this case, video, Blu-ray art. Mm -hmm. Yeah, movie and, art. And it's very browsable, but it also gives me the opportunity to uh, share that out, of course. So my kids and I have a lot of different devices, but maybe I'm skipping ahead because 
you brought the pass home and you started messing with it first. So why don't we start with your experience? Okay. So in my situation, I am a, basically I'm a physical media type person. So I have a a full home theater PC. We play a lot of Blu-rays, play a lot of DVDs. We don't necessarily rip a lot of stuff, but I do have media on my dev server and that's how I would normally see that. I would go out there. Well, I want to maybe digress real quick because it occurs to me that we should both talk about why we didn't jump on Plex, and that was because it's not free. Not free? And as silly as it sounds for both of us, or spend tons of money, really, on our networks, our storage devices, our PCs, even our peripherals, it still seemed like, uh, I don't know, four ninety nine a month. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to get enough use out of that. Well, yeah, you got four ninety nine a month, or you can go for $40 a year, or the, the creme de la creme is a lifetime membership for $150. And that gets you access into the Plex. It gets you the Plex Pass. Uh, it also unlocks several features within Plex, like the ability to share online, share with your friends. It also uh, adds like permissions. So if you have it running on your network, you can block certain videos out from people to being able to watch, as long as they have a Plex membership as well. Right. Yeah, again, a little silly that I wavered at four ninety nine for a month to try it out. For as long as I did. And now, and I hope it comes across in the review, I honestly can't recommend enough that $149.99 for a lifetime membership is cheap. Yeah, it's cheap in the big picture. And maybe you'd agree. So let's talk about it. You said that you're a huge fan of touchy-feely media. Yes, I have an extensive collection of Blu-ray discs and DVD discs. I also have a CD collection. But the way that I consume my media is, you know, I might listen to a disc in my car. If I'm going to watch a movie, I'm going to decouple from my computer desk and go sit out in my home theater and actually watch a movie. Or I'll go out and watch something off of the satellite. But either way, it's always consuming media in the room that I've dedicated to that task. Not so much on the computer. So when I got Plex, I installed it on my dev server. I do have a couple of directories of some ripped music and also some videos. I had Plex go and index those. And it took a fair amount of time to do that, but it would go through and it would grab a, a video. It would read the video and pull out a screenshot of something so I, so I could see what the movie was. For instance, I have the entire series of The Twilight Zone. So it would go through every one of the episodes and then pull up a, just kind of a keyframe out of the video so I could see which one it was. And it, underneath it, it would show you the name of the movie. And then if it linked with a movie at IMDb, it would pull up the actors, how long it was, when it got released and just kind of a couple of blurbs about that. Those were just kind of videos that were already indexable. Some of them are just kind of a a raw video, like a video I took with my phone, for instance. Well, it didn't know what that was. Of course. So I had to go in and add those features so I could type what title I wanted it to be and when it was recorded and all those details. So I had control over those details. You've talked a little bit about the server, but what is the device that you're consuming the media on when you serve from Plex? Primarily my desktop. So Plex has a web interface that you can access the server directly. And from there, you can do searches for your media. You can also alter the media if you happen to be the admin on the server, which I happen to be. You can also play the media and it pulls it up in a HTML5 player similar to YouTube. But then I installed the app on my phone. I have an Android phone. I have it hooked up to the network. 
And at that point, it would see that I was accessing it via Android, and it would transcode these videos. So I was watching the Twilight Zone, which was already a standard definition video, but it would reduce it down to like uh, 240 pixels wide or something like that. And it would do that on the fly as before it streams it out to my device. So it made it so that I could consume that video anywhere that I had access to the server. That's actually a, a great point. And I think uh, it's a good opportunity to talk about what Plex can do. Plex is primarily using media for video and for audio, but it only supports uh, some very specific but very popular resolutions. So I, I want to talk about that real quick to give everybody an idea of what it's focused on. And as an example, the media it likes to play in a native MP4. Mm-hmm. The resolution is 1920 by 1080, so 1080p. Yeah, HD video. Um, it uses video encoding the H.264 level 4.0 or lower, and it does its audio in AAC with a bit rate of about 20 Mbps, megabits per second. Yeah. I should mention that it will play 4K video because I have a couple of videos that were recorded in 4K. I could watch those via the HTML player from my desktop, But if I tried to stream it to my television, for instance, it would see that my television was 1080p and then it wouldn't uh, downscale it, which was kind of interesting. Oh, interesting. So audio, the other thing that we use it for, uh, it likes to support M4A, which is sort of not what I would say is the most popular one. Well, it's basically MP4, but in the audio. But it it gets around that by doing real-time transcoding from really all your major supported audio formats, MP3, ALAC, FLAC, AUG, etc. In fact, I have uh, not found anything in my library that it couldn't transcode. And I have some pretty obscure downloads from some unreleased singles and stuff like that. Right. I have a couple of real audio files, you know, the .ras from way, way back when. And I want to say that it read those, but I didn't play them because they were obviously really old. Now, there is one downside. Now, if you have a big, fancy surround sound system like I do, the transcoding doesn't give you the same full lossless Dolby audio that you'd get from playing directly from a, a DVD player if you have all those different Dolby devices all the way up to Atmos in your system. Right. Well, and that also brings up another point about what media is supported, and it does not support image files. And by an image file, I mean by like an ISO or a, a TS, like a VOB, for instance, oh, off yeah. your DVD. So the reasoning behind that is that Plex was designed to consume media that had already been encoded. And if you have a, a disk image off a DVD, you have menus that are in there. You also have some of the, uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff and being able to select different scenes within the video. They didn't want to have to try to support the, all of those different formats and then have to figure out, well, we have copyright coming off of those as well. So you have these recordings that you make and you make, you know, your MPA file and you save that and then that's what it indexes. So that's maybe an important point. If you're going to get all your media into Plex, then of course it requires some additional effort. Like I use uh, Fairstars to rip my audio off of my CDs into my collection. And then I use Nero to, uh, to rip my video. Yeah, I can use Nero a few times for that. So you've got to do a little preparation up front. And to really get the most out of your Plex server, there's, uh, I wouldn't say it's complicated, but there's a specific way that you set up your media. 
the naming conventions and the file structures that makes it easier for Plex to help you consume your media smoother. Right. And that's uh, something that I found when I was indexing my big directory of images, for instance. I had, well, not images, but videos. I had them all organized by folder. And in that folder, it would have just a generic name for the video. Plex would read the folder name and then make that the name of the video, for instance, not necessarily the name of the actual video file. So a lot of times you would have, it would go out to IMDb and try to link this video. You know, it's like, okay, hey, this one is Top Gun, but really it's not Top Gun. It was some other video that I had. So I had to go in and break the the symbiotic link that was there and then add what it was. Interesting. So it's really just taking its best guess, which is all you could expect from anything like that. And the whole reason it does that is so that you can do searches. So you can search by a director, for instance. So you want to see all the videos that were done by Josh Whedon, for instance. So it can pull all those up. Or you want to find all of the Tom Cruise videos. So you can pull up all the, the movies you have that are done by Tom Cruise. And the more metadata that you have associated with your media, the easier it is and the faster it is to do these searches. Maybe this is a good opportunity to walk somebody through like a cradle to grave. So when you start using the Plex, the first thing that you do is you consume your media with your, I guess your ripping device for lack of a better term, which is primarily going to be a PC. Right. Or you could torrent down like, you know, a Doctor Who episode or something. Right. And that's a good point too, because you have the ability to transcode on the fly. You have really a pretty endless amount of free media content that you could add to your Plex server but it's not going to necessarily know. And I do know that Plex has the opportunity to take you out and it will let you on the fly grab related content like you'd mentioned. So if there's like a new movie trailer or whatever, it might suggest it to you if it's out on the Plex cloud. Yeah, actually it will, uh, if you have the video and it goes out to IMDb, links it up, it will pull in all the different trailers that are available, which I thought was kind of fun. So that's part of what I like about it more than just a standard media player. So we've We've transcoded our media. We've ripped it, if you will. And then to get Plex to work, you run the Plex application, which has a pretty small footprint when it's not doing transcoding. And even then, on my modern PC, and now I have a Haswell E, so it's a it's a pretty solid processor. I didn't see a hit when someone else in the family was using the Plex server and I was gaming. Right. Well, you have two versions of the Plex server. You have one on your desktop and then one on the NAS, right? Okay, yes. If, so if you had it running off the NAS, you might have a bit of a hit just because the processor is a bit slower. But I did notice that it uses all the th- available threads. So if you have you know, a four-core NAS processor, it will go and use all four cores when right. it's transcoding. But it never used 100%. It was always around 10 or 20. Yeah, and I wondered if it was intentionally throttling it so that it didn't take 100%, which was the opposite of what I expected. In fact, I never noticed when it was running. But you launch it, then to consume it, you have the opportunity to uh, install an application uh, for most things. Now, I have Android devices. I have tablets and phones. I have Windows devices, PCs and tablets. And those are my primary consuming devices, except for the big elephant in the room, and that is that my PlayStation device is my primary media server in my home theater system. So I was able to download the application on all those devices for free. Now, the application itself is not going to function for you unless you have an account. So that's important to note. And that takes us back to that $4.99 a month, which is to get your toe wet, try it out, see if you like it. 
or that 150 a month. So if you know you're going to use Plex, you're getting essentially for about three years worth, you're getting the premium package and you're getting all that additional functionality. How else can we get content? Well, you can get content off of the internet also and transcode it. But again, you need to make sure that you're getting a supported format. And this is where Plex excels also. If you bring down content directly from the internet, it will index it if it knows what it is and add it to your library as well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the file format is because it will, as long as it's either in HD encoding or any of the common ones that are available, it has a, a decoder for that. So there is one other thing worth mentioning, and that is when you first build your Plex library, you need to tell it where your library is and what it is. So you'll need a separate directory for your music that's set up in the correct, for your media, for your pictures so that it knows how to index those. And that's, again, part of the initial setup. Yeah, and when I set up mine, I have it on a Windows server. You install that the application and run it when certain users are, are active. I had to tell it what folders to look at. So I have like a watch drive that has all my media on it. And then I say, well, here is my audio folder, and it would go and index all the audio stuff. I also went into some of the advanced configuration and told it to save all the log and metadata files to that same folder. So I could go in and see, you know, how much, how much space was being consumed by the metadata uh, and how much space was being consumed by the transcode files and stuff like that. Well, it's an interesting time, I think, for a lot of the more power users because so many of us grew up with that tangible media And then we went through the era of things like Napster, where we transitioned to having a mix of the hard media and the soft media, maybe, is that the term? Yeah, I think it's soft. Soft media. And now a lot of folks shy away from buying physical product. I know I've been trying to buy a lot less movies, so it's rare for me to buy something that isn't an event movie. And as part of that process, I've been going back through my mountains of CDs and DVDs and Blu-rays and trying to put those all on my NAS server in hopes that I can just stick them in a box somewhere and forget about them. Right. Well, and that brings up an interesting point about not necessarily how you consume media, but how you get your media. Like me, I'm a physical media person, so I have these discs. And there's a lot of effort involved with me going through every one of my Blu-rays and DVDs and creating a digital copy of that. Yes, very time-consuming. So I end up spending a couple extra bucks to buy the version that has the digital copy. And then I can load that into Voodoo because my OPPO Blu-ray player has the Voodoo app on it. If I have the digital copy, I can pull it down over the web and watch it. But if I'm at home, I'm going to put the disc in anyway. But the benefit there is that Voodoo is internet slash cloud enabled. I can just log into the Voodoo server anywhere that I have internet access and pull down and watch that, that video. Sure, but you can do the same thing with Plex. You can do the same thing with Plex. You just have to open up a port on your firewall if you have one that you need to open up and then um, have a real IP address on the outside so you know where you're connecting and you log in, you know, you put in your uh, Plex Pass login credentials into your device like your mobile device and you can log into your server. And at that point, you can also share it out with your friends. So, uh, for instance, I indexed the entire uh, Hardware Asylum and Ninja Lane podcast catalog. And then I made Darren a friend so I could share it with him. So if he happened to access my Plex server, he could listen to all the podcast episodes. Right. Now, of course, I'd have to register that device into my Plex. 
but once you've done that, you can see it whenever it's available online. You are, of course, like every cloud sort of app, really limited to what your bandwidth is like. And a good example of that is I am now pretty good distance, maybe over a thousand albums ripped onto my system. I know, can you believe I have that much media? It's crazy. I can listen to music at work on my phone through my Plex app, which is nice. Put on the old Bluetooth headphones and and I can listen to my stuff without having to worry about the overhead of Amazon Music or Pandora or whatever your your device is. And you have some choice. You can build playlists, which took some getting used to. But you can also browse your media. But the downside is I've noticed that if the network traffic gets a little bit high, then it just loses the server and you have to restart the app. So you you do have that to overcome. It's not quite the same as like Voodoo where you have the dependency on the uh, the cloud storage. So it doesn't matter what your network is doing. Right. Well, and that's one thing I noticed with my particular setup was that unless I filtered down my list for my videos, for instance, that it had indexed, it took a really long time for me to go and get that entire list so I could go and look for the video I wanted. Uh, admittedly, I didn't add a lot of the metadata to these, you know, what, six or 700 videos that I had listed. So I couldn't do a search. So it was giving me everything by folder, for instance. So I could go in and say, well, I want this folder and drive and drill down into all of those. The problem was once you started watching the video and you went back, I had to do that process all over again. And that's probably just the fact that I didn't index my, my media the way that I should have or the way that Plex wanted it. Kind of like setting up a playlist again, because I had playlists, for instance, in, um, in Winamp. And those were really nice because it, Winamp would index that and I could say, hey, I want to listen to Nine Inch Nails. Click. I could listen to Nine Inch Nails. With Plex, it says, hey, you got Nine Inch Nails, but then you have to drive down and say, well, now what album do you want to listen to? And it's just how it indexes things. And that takes a little getting used to, like I say, but it works. Now, that does mean that you're, if you have a huge amount of content already, that, that you're going to have a long indexing process. Yeah, it takes a long time to index. It also takes a long time to access over the web. You know, as we were sitting down writing in our show notes, uh, Darren was trying to show me some Costa Rica pictures from his Plex server on his phone. And it was timing out, right? Yeah, initially it timed out once or twice. But once we got the directory, I probably have 250 pictures that I'm sharing on my Plex server. Once we got the directory indexed on the phone, maybe is the right term, then I had no problem browsing them and bringing them up. And that's kind of fun for sharing, like you'd use Dropbox or some of these other applications. So I hope what you're seeing is that Plex isn't just a media server, although that's its primary function. It has some other options also. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to make it relatively smart. Maybe to wind it up, Dennis, uh, if you were coming back to Plex today and you were paying the price for it, what would your recommendation be? Definitely try it. Look at your at your current ecosystem within your house, for instance. In my case, I don't have a lot of devices that have a native Plex application. So I have my my dev server and my PC, and that's how I can consume Plex content. I can also consume it on my phone. Uh, so for me, Plex didn't really make too much sense because I couldn't access the Plex server from my television unless I did the DL, DLNA, which is really just kind of a network share to go and consume the media and scroll down, find the ends, scroll down, find the NAs and stuff like that. So it was a long process. It didn't read all that fancy metadata stuff that Plex does in the background. 
But if I had uh, several tablets with the Plex application and a PlayStation that had it embedded and a smart TV with the Plex, uh, Plex application there, that makes a lot of sense. Because that way I could have all my media in one spot and then I can access it from all these different devices and it would transcode it to match the resolution for those devices. Yeah, ironically, I think that you've nailed why I like Plex so much is the scalability of it works well in my house. I have young kids. I don't necessarily want them digging around in my Blu-ray library because some of my videos are, you know, not common. I definitely don't want them ruined and kids are really good at that. So I can bring my media home, I can put it on the server, which is not a lengthy process. And then when my kids want to watch 101 Dalmatians, I tell them to go ahead and access Plex on the PlayStation, they're good to go. I don't have to worry about getting the media out, I have to worry about whether they damage it, I don't have to worry about what device they're consuming it on, and I don't even have to worry about how many people are accessing it. Because even with four people in the house doing their thing on Plex at the same time, I just don't feel it. Well, and that brings up, you know, the access issue of Plex is um, you can also lock down certain videos so that only certain members can access that. Yes, you can. You can make it very password and account enabled. Now, I don't have that going right now because, like I say, primarily the the media I'm consuming is music my kids aren't interested in, maybe someday, and uh, videos that I'm not so interested in, but they are, but they're not necessarily on any of my other streaming services. So all in all, I think we can both say that we'd recommend Plex. We'd definitely recommend it if you have a large physical library and you're moving away. Mm-hmm. But the primary use and what's going to really make or break Plex, I think, is whether you want to be able to consume your media remotely without having to tote it around. Right. And, you know, if you have a good internet connection with a good healthy upload, it'll make the experience a lot nicer. Unfortunately, around here, it's kind of shoddy sometimes. So I think both of us would say... You owe it to yourself to spend the four ninety nine and give it a shot if it sounds good to you. I think that it's going to be very quickly apparent whether or not you're going to jump straight to that lifetime amount and get the Plex Pass for yourself. So if you have any questions about Plex, be sure to drop by our forums or the Facebook page and ask. And if we get enough questions, maybe we'll do another episode talking about Plex server hardware, maybe? And until that happens, hey, enjoy your media. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Google or like us on Facebook. This has been an Engineering Production, copyright 2016. Thanks for listening.